Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Marching uh, March Silver MMA show and possibly, quite possibly, one of the biggest shows that we'll probably have all year round. What a weekend it is for combat sports. Paul versus Widley, Edson Barboza versus Giga Shikaze. Oh, my God. We're in for a fantastic weekend, and I'm joined by Oscar to talk all about it. So how's it going over there in America? It's going awesome, man. We have a spectacular weekend ahead of us, but it could really be an unfortunate end, uh, depending on the result of Paul versus Woodley. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But we had some spectacular fights over at the UFC at the Apex Center last Saturday. Uh, let's let's go right into that. Jared Kenmere fought Calvin Gastelum in the main event. And uh, once again, I told you guys, win or lose, Calvin Gaslam will take a beating from Jared Kanier, and he did. He got knocked down, but Calvin Gaslam once again showed that he has that championship heart. He just popped right back up and started throwing combos, and uh, in, in my opinion, he looked a little more impressive to end that round. But, yeah, that was, that was a very competitive fight, and Calvin Gaslam should not be ashamed of himself, especially after losing uh, five of the last six, but to elite guys, truly elite guys. Calvin Gaslam could be a top five guy at welterweight, but unfortunately, it's not his time at middleweight. He's only 29, so he could always improve. But, yeah, it's not looking the best for Calvin Gaslam uh, as of late. But you have to compliment Jared Kenneer's, uh performance in a five-round setting against Calvin. Everybody thought that uh, the last two rounds would go to Calvin. They did not, and he also stuffed every takedown, so... How could you not be impressed with Jared Kennedy in his first uh, five-round main event? Yeah, I thought it was very impressive. Uh, as you mentioned there, the, the, the durability and the toughness from Kelvin Gaston was really on show in this fight. He got hit, what was it, that right hand, That was it the right hook? And, oh, my God, I, I thought that could be, you know, the, the start of the end of the fight, but... Kevin Ga Kelvin Gaston is just too tough for his own good. And the way he just popped straight back up, and as you mentioned, just started coming back with combinations. You know, you've got you know, you've got to credit Gelvin Gaston in, in his heart and uh, you know, his 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 chin as well. His chin is absolutely phenomenal. But you, you gotta look at where does Kelvin Gaston go from here? Is it a move back down to 170? Yes, he did miss weight 185 pounds, so that's probably out, out of out of options there. He's probably not going to go down to 170, if we're being honest. But maybe, you know, he drop, gets back in, drops, um, uh, goes lesser competition against the... So gets some wins, you know, stacks up some wings and goes uh, another run back at it. But I don't know, man. It's, he's in a bit of a weird position at the moment. It's not looking great for him. Uh, as you mentioned, what, five of his last six you know, losses? It's not, it's not very good for Kelvin at the moment. But what we saw on the weekend, he's still an elite fighter. But he's just, you know, he's still only, what, 29 years of age, which is crazy. Because I feel like I've been watching Gaslam for years and years and years, which we have. So it's crazy to, to think that he's only 29 and he's only ever going to improve. Uh, he just needs to get some wins behind the belt. Maybe, you know, a change of camp uh, or something like that could, could help well, Gaslam. But he is good over there at Kings MMA. That's actually what he did for this camp. He went over to Fight Ready MMA with Henry Cejudo and uh, the coach uh, Alberto Albercin, and he worked on his wrestling there, and uh, he got a change of scenery. He got some different looks, and uh, it showed that he was he was a better fighter in there, but it still wasn't enough to beat a fighter uh, as good as Jared Kennear. Jared Kennear, his skill set uh, just continues to improve, even uh, though he's only, he's already 37. I think the time is now for Jared Kennear to set himself up for a title shot. He should probably be fighting the winner of Darren Till versus Derek Brunson coming up on September 4th. So that's what I would like to see for Jared Kennear. He mentioned that he was broken and fortunate, uh, you know, view of the sport, but he needs to get in there and he needs to fight. And I think he can get some spectacular knockouts on his way to a title shot against Adesanya. So uh, I think we're probably going to see Jared Kennear get a title shot in 2022 if he continues fighting this way. Yeah, as you mentioned there, he said he was broke and he said he would like to fight again, uh, maybe possibly by the end of the year. So maybe uh, seeing what happens with Darren Till versus um, uh, Derek Brunson, that could be a possible you know opponent for him next. Yeah, if Darren Till gets a quick KO, 
that's a re that's a legitimate uh possibility. So that 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 would be ideal, a ten year versus Darren Till, because those are the two guys that Adesanya has specifically said he's interested in fighting because he he's all he's not fought them yet. Yeah. Well, you got to rate Israel Adesanya. He's fought like nearly everyone in the middleweight division, but I feel like Robert Whittaker, uh, the rematch, Israel Adesanya versus uh, Robert Whittaker has to, has to be next at this point. Yeah, 100%. Uh, unfortunately, it's getting delayed until next year, but uh, when it happens, it's going to be very intriguing, especially since Robert Whittaker has uh, fallen in love with the Gi again. So that'll be another conversation for another time. Right now, we're talking about the co-main event between Clay Guida and Marco Manson. My goodness, how can you not be impressed with Marco Madsen uh, standing with Clay Guida the entire fight and getting uh, more volume going, which was really impressive. I thought if it was on the feet, Guida would have a shot at uh, getting a knockout, but unfortunately, Clay Guida was just bouncing around a lot and letting Marco Madsen continuously jab him. And so, yeah, that's what led Marco Madsen to get a win here without a single takedown. So that's really impressive. For a guy only three years deep, who was a Greco-Roman wrestler, to win with striking against a guy as uh, as much of a seasoned veteran as Clay. Yeah, I was uh, as you mentioned there. It, it was surprising to see Marco Madsen, you know, really stand in, in this fight. So I felt like heading into this fight, I think Madsen wanted to really, you know, put on a performance and uh, kind of showcase, you know, his striking is improving uh, against a guy who's greed and greedo, who's very awkward on the feet. You know, he's always bouncing around, as you mentioned. Uh, comes in at awkward angles. De you know his timing is very different uh, to, to to the natural striker. Uh, and it was uh, Marco Madsen. You know, used that jab to perfection. And it was uh, it, it, yeah, it, the the scorecards maybe looked closer than it maybe actually was. But it was a good fight for Marco Madsen. Uh, his striking, you know, he really showcased his striking this fight, and then, and we can see uh, the, the the evident improvement fight by fight for Mark. Uh, but. Maybe in, in in the next fight he goes back to his uh his bread and butter because uh, that that's what he's really good at. Yeah, certainly Clay Guida has um some underrated wrestling. Remember he beat uh Pettis back in the day, uh, Nate Diaz as well. He's he's really used his wrestling to uh, benefit him back in the day, and to this day uh, his defense is effective too. So that's 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 at least a moral victory for Clay. Moving on, we oh, had. What a hell of a heavyweight slugfest between Parker Porter and Chase Sherman. This was about as sloppy as it gets in the late couple of rounds. This is a Parker Porter fight. Parker Porter loves to fight this way. Uh, Parker Porter broke his own record of most strikes landed in a heavyweight fight. So Parker Porter can fight at a pace that other heavyweights simply can't. And uh, he used it to beat Chase Sherman here. And uh, that this is a fight where I thought Chase Sherman was going to run over Parker Porter. I thought Parker Porter didn't have that durability. But once again, uh, Chase Sherman, uh, he has a really lackluster performance. And after uh, USADA caught him doping, you got to question if uh, that may have played a, played a role in his previous impressive victories. Yeah, I agree with you. This one really defined uh, me. Uh, I, I thought Chase Sherman was going to go in there, you know, get the short stop and get a quick stoppage uh, and have a really, you know, a quick night at the office. But, you know, Parker Porker dragged him into a dog fight uh, and that's the fight that he wants. And, oh, my God, uh, heavyweights shouldn't have the pace of Parker Porker. Parker Porker was going for days. I don't know how where his cardio is because he doesn't look like he should be have a lot of cardio. Uh, the, the, the broadcast were making a joke. Uh, you know, don't, don't judge a book by its cover because, oh man, part of Porker, he could go for days and it's just, uh, it's incredible. His cardio was fantastic. He threw 294 strikes. Surely that's unheard of for a heavyweight. That's ridiculous. 100%. Parker Porter is simply a different breed. I think uh, he gives a lot of these one-round heavyweights some serious problems if he can get him out of the first round, and that's what he did with Chase Sherman. And uh, you got to give him props after a performance like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Another person that we could give props to, say, uh, pronounce the name, Saidi Okub Kakramanov. Yeah, a fantastic performance from him. Uh, on short notice, uh, if I remember right, he did miss weight, but you know that didn't really affect his performance against Trevor Jones as well, who I was quite highly of. Uh, in his uh, first two fights, as we, we mentioned, he knocked out Team of Aliyev, uh, then knocked out. Um, oh, 
He knocked out uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Mario Batista. Yes, Mario Batista. There you go, Mario Batista. Uh, the guy has some power. In that first round, I thought you know maybe Jones would see Jones take over a little bit. Oh man, I was completely wrong. Uh, Sadiokov looked brilliant, and uh, he got that submission in the third round. Get a team choke. Uh, I, I thought in, in them three rounds, he, he was he was the better fighter, and it was it, it was clear and evident. Yeah, Asadio Koub missed weight because he was cutting weight in the air. He was uh, in his native country of, uh, I, I don't know, but I believe it was uh, an Arab country very far away, and he was cutting weight in the air. What's the, what's country, um, uh, he's fighting um, Gerald Mersh Mershot this weekend. Uzbekistan, Tajikistan. I don't know. One of those, but uh, Saeed Yokub Kakramanov should not be, uh, you know, misjudged by that weight cut. I, I, I think uh, almost any fighter would miss weight if they if they fought under those circumstances. But uh, how could you, how could you not like the guy? Uh, Trevin Jones is, is a monster. He he beats a lot of guys. He knocks them out. And uh, Saeed Yokub was not to be denied. Also, something uh, that affected Trevin Jones's performance was he was in limbo for two months. I believe he had around uh, five, six opponents that fell out within six months. This guy was constantly cutting weight. Uh, this, this is almost a Tony Ferguson situation where the guy made weight uh, before he even fought. So, yeah, that, that definitely affected his performance. Uh, very unfortunate for him, but he he took on all comers, and you have to respect him for that. But uh, Saeed Kakamanov strangled the guy in the third round after Jones was basically just stalling, hoping to get a decision after he gassed out. So uh, th that's real hard from uh, Saeed Yukov to get a submission like that. Very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, a great performance. Another performance that was very impressive uh, out of four wouldn't go, you know, his way. Riz Bichel put on a, a great performance against Austin Hubbard. Oh, I, and honestly, I thought Austin Hubbard was going to win this fight and Oh man, this is why you don't follow, you know, don't say what I say seriously because clearly I'm not good enough. Because Vince Bichel put on a fantastic performance 30 27 and all boards of the judges. Fantastic performance. What do you make of that, Oscar? Yeah, Vince Bichel uh, really won this fight with his striking. I thought his path to victory was to mix things up with a takedown. And it was actually Hubbard going for more takedowns later on. Uh, Bichel nearly finished Hubbard in the second round, but we've seen that Hubbard is a tough guy. Uh, in his previous fights, Bichel uh, was looking sharper than ever. And this is another guy who's over 35, and he's looking to be in his best form um, against a guy who's really young. So Bichel used his veteran salary to uh, to really uh, surpass Hubbard uh, in the striking department. So, yeah, Vince Bichel, uh, he's, he's, he's going to move on to bigger things after this. Uh, his only loss is the UFC are to... Uh, Rustam Kavilov into Gregor Gillespie. So that's nothing to hang your head on. So I think uh, it'll be big things in the future for Vince Bichel. 100%. It was a fantastic performance. He looked good in all three rounds and clearly the judges agreed. Uh, but one thing I would say is keep that keep that moustache, Vince. I think it looks brilliant. Uh, I think that moustache is uh, fantastic. It needs to keep that. I think it looks... It, it, it suits him, his persona. Uh, I think it looks cool. Uh, but moving on to a fight that was crazy. For the first two rounds, I mean, uh, Panjota versus Roy Val, a fantastic fight for while it lasted. Yeah, how could you not love watching Brand Roy Val fight? The guy will always be the the guy who takes the risks, uh, even when some might not suggest it. Roy Val really cares about entertaining fans, and that's what he did here. But betting on Roy Val is not a smart move. Because the guy always puts himself in in bad positions uh, trying to entertain. And that's what he did here uh, again. And he tangled with simply a better grappler in Alexander Pantoja. And he got subbed with that rare naked choke in the second. Uh, yeah, Pantoja is going to get a title shot, I believe, against Brandon Moreno. Possibly in December. Uh, they had those uh, the two yapping back and forth at the, at the post-fight interview. Uh, it was very friendly, but nonetheless... There's a real storyline in there, and it's the perfect fight for Brandon Moreno because what was the storyline with Brandon Moreno after he won the belt? My goodness, the adversity this guy has faced got cut by the UFC, and who was the guy who handed him two losses in that uh, first round in the UFC? Pantoja. Pantoja 
beat him by unanimous decision, and also uh, submitted him with an arm triangle. So Pantoja has really been the the side, the thorn in Brandon Moreno's side. And can Brandon Moreno get his revenge and really sol- solidify himself as a proper champion? That will be the big question. That's why a lot of people were, were uh, talking about Askar. Askar should get the shot. But I think Pantoja is actually the perfect fight, to be honest. Yeah, in this fight, I thought, it was, I don't know why, I thought Brendan Royval was clearly the better striker in this fight. If he kept the fight standing, I thought like he could, maybe he could, he could have got the finish. Uh, there, there was evidently clear that he was, you know, he was more uh, fluid with his strikes, more technical. Uh, Pantoja just didn't look comfortable on his feet. But as soon as he got the fight to the ground, it was just a whole different level. The scrambles between these two men was just absolutely crazy. It was such a fantastic watch. And uh, if you don't like that sort of stuff, you shouldn't be watching MMA. Uh, you should watch kickboxing because, you know, I love scrambles like that. And it, I, I really thrive for that. And th- th- there shouldn't be anyone who doesn't, didn't like that fight. That that fight was so entertaining. Yeah, Brandon Rodell, I, I, I'll label him now as the most entertaining grappler in the UFC. 100 percent uh but that that was it for the main card it was a fantastic main card but you said off air it was really the prelims yeah that, the, you know the prelims really brought the heat if there was a fight of the night uh bonus handed out it was probably going to be between austin lingo and louis saldana these guys fought at an incredible pace and they both showed off their toughness in in this fight off the first round was a borderline 10-8 for louis saldana he peaked up Lingo. He had him hurt bad. I thought maybe he would get a stoppage in the second, but uh, he just overexerted himself. And Austin Lingo just threw bombs over and over, and they kept on landing uh, to Luis Saldana. And in that third round, it was looking a little close, the determining round of the fight. And what happens? Lingo lands a perfect body shot at Saldana, drops him. And, uh, yeah, Saldana just could not uh, get his momentum back after that. So you have to respect uh, Austin Lingo's toughness and uh, his superior cardio that won him this fight. One hundred percent, I agree. It, it was the cardio, the sto- cardio, the story of the fight in this uh, in this matchup. Austin Lingo just had a little, that, that little bit left in the tank, got him over the line. Uh, but in this, uh, in the next one, we had Brian Kelleher versus uh, Pilate. and oh my god, this was quite. This was a shout for uh, Brian Kelleher. I was expecting, we were both expecting a knockout quick for Brian Kelleher to catch him clean, but Brian Kelleher had different plans. He wanted to wrestle for 15 minutes. Yeah, Brian Kelleher, I told you guys, my most confident pick of the night. Uh, he was at minus 170. I thought he deserved to be up to minus uh, 300 or something like that. I thought he was better everywhere than Pilarte. And he showed that here with straight-up dominance. He even picked the guy up. And it walked across the octagon. He manhandled them. He dominated this fight. And he played it smart. He didn't take any any risks. He didn't need to. And he got an easy win here. I, it was basically drama-free for Kelleher. Got stuck in an arm triangle for uh, a second or two. But besides that, Kelleher won every minute of the fight. So Kelleher looked better than ever. And uh, as I said, Pilarte, uh, he's got a lot of stuff to work on. And someone fantastic yeah. prelims that we had on show uh both of us both of us um you know had we gave nunez no chance in this fight both of us did yeah, and oh my god it, it, it she reminds me of a, a, a more powerful jessica and it, it's, it's weird because bay maleki's defense her, her striker defense just wasn't there it looked like after about halfway in the round she she was tired she was gassed it looked like she had nothing in the tank and ultimately, she dropped her hands because she was that tired. She couldn't pick up her hands to defend herself. And then Nunes, with the big bombs over the top, uh, puts her out cold. And that was the story of the fight. But, oh, my God, Nunes, she's a little machine. Yeah, we, we kind of played a fool's game, picking Bayam Malecki because of her UFC experience. But at the end of the day, she was only 4-0, man. There's, she showed a lot of inexperience in this fight. She was... She, if she doesn't change some things, she will be remembered as the female Stefan Struve, where she she fights way too close to her opponents. She keeps her chin up in the air, and uh, that's what happened here. Uh, this was a uh, a Mark Hunt Stefan Struve moment where the shorter fighters straight straight up slapped the taller fighter. Uh, Josie Ann was very impressive here, 
Uh, and she herself was getting tired, but she just had a little more left in the gas tank to unquirk that bomb and knock out Bea Malecki for the first time in her combat sports career. So, uh, yeah, Josie and Nunes, she will give a lot of girls problems in this division simply because of her crazy uh, power, which she showed off here. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to Josie and Nunes' next fight because she can end it with one punch, as we saw. Yeah, someone else with some crazy power and they can end it in one punch. That name is William Knight. He can end it in any punch he wants, any strike, whenever, whatever minute the fight is. Uh, but in this fight, what I saw very what was different from William Knight, he was more patient with his strikes. I felt like he was just looking for, you know, the strike that, you know, that lands and puts him out. And he found it uh, three minutes and 58 seconds into the first round. Uh, he seemed, you know, a little bit more patient, maybe a little bit timid to throw strikes, but all it takes is uh, one for William to uh, for land, and that's it, it's lights out. And Fabio Chiron felt that, and he had his lights put out. Yeah, I thought Fabio Chiron would have a cleaner striking, but at the end of the day, that does not matter when you have a man as powerful as William Knight in front of you, and William Knight got the walking backward, uh, walked backward and caught him with the, with the left hook, and it was light out, and uh, that was as impressive as it gets. I, I've never been more impressed by the William Knight here, and uh, I still think he should go may maybe uh, think about a move to middleweight, maybe lose a little bit of muscle because it's very apparent to me that he's 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 a little too short for this division, and uh, he's going to get overpowered by, by some guys simply because of uh, size, but William Knight will defeat a lot of these uh, lower level light heavyweights with his with his raw power, and that's what he did here. You mentioned short and uh, moving down because he's too short. Two fighters that are not too short for the division: Rosemont Roberts and Bajo Mondes. These two are massive, absolutely massive for lightweight. And oh man, it, it five seconds to go. Who does it? Who, who throws a spinning wheel kick with five seconds to go in the fight? Bajo Mondes. Throws a wheel kick with five seconds to go, and oh my god, it, it, it landed, and he's probably produced. Let's let I'm gonna say it now. He's probably produced knockout of the year. Yeah, I'll say I'll say it as well. Bahamandes is a different breed, man. This guy will try to finish you for every second of the fight. And I thought uh, he was gonna be outmatched on the ground by Roosevelt Roberts, but Roberts uh, he kept on getting his takedown stuffed, and he was also getting hit to the body over and over again. So he carried his hands low, and that created a wonderful opening for Ignacio to land the wheel kick, uh, reminiscent of Barbosa and Terry Edom. And yeah, how could you not love Bahamandes' style? It's so high volume. In the preview, I said uh, Bahamandes could easily out-volume Roberts here, and that's what he did. And he got the cherry on top with the crazy spinning wheel kick to, kick th to end things. And he got the well-deserved uh, uh, performance of the night bonus. Uh, I'm officially on the Bahamandas train, man. Every time this guy fights, he goes to war. And that's what he did here. And he's awesome, man. I, I love the guy. The only problem that we could face in the future is he he's got the same sort of skin as a, a Nate Diaz and a Nick Diaz. Yeah. Uh, every time he gets hit, you know, a cut kind of reopens itself. But, yeah. man, who throws, who throws a spinning wheel kick with five seconds to go? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he's got a lot of scar tissue. Uh, as as he said before, he's been he's been uh, sparring. He's been training in combat sports for a long time. So, yeah, that, that probably could be bad for him, uh, especially if he fights in New York with those uh, shady doctors. But uh, hopefully he'll stay uh, fighting in Vegas for the foreseeable future. And, uh, hey, a, a little blood in the octagon who – who doesn't like to see it, man? It's uh, it always puts uh, makes for for a cooler looking fight. And uh, talking about a somebody that had a really uh, cool finish, Ramiz Brahimash. We called it to a T. We we gave you specific details and how we would do it. We both said first round submission, and uh, just feeling just feeling a little more confident. I said first round rare naked choke. And that's what happened here. I told you guys uh, that Sasha Polotnikov, he's he really doesn't have a, a UFC-level submission defense. That's what happened here. As soon as Ramiz Brahimash got the second takedown uh, and he locked it in, uh, Sasha Polotnikov fought with everything he could. But, uh, yeah, he just fell asleep in there. And uh, 
yeah, he's a top guy, but Ramiz Brahimesh was levels above in the ground game. Yeah, credit to Sasha because uh, God knows how he stayed uh, in that choke for so long without going to sleep. It was incredible. But eventually he did go to sleep. And as you mentioned, you put it down to a T. You gave him the Pacifics. He gave him the actual submission and he got the submission. So And it was a rear naked choke for Ramiz Bahamid uh, or whatever his name is. But anyway, yeah, he got a rear naked choke. Ramiz looked incredible. This was a statement win for him to put a name back into the win column after his his you know his disappointing loss against Max Griffin, uh, but yeah, he looked phenomenal. And uh, as you mentioned, if you're getting choked out by Imper Kinsage, your submission defense ain't really there. But this gives Sasha a, a, a great opening for himself. Uh, he 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 knows what to go back to work on right and now, and uh, that's what he really needs to do. Go back to the drawing board, uh, work on his submission defense, his takedown defense, and uh, improve his game. Uh, but yeah, fantastic performance from Ramiz. Uh, back in the wing column. And uh, that, that was a fantastic way to start off the card. It's really set the tone. Yeah, he would have gotten a bonus had it not been for Pantosha's uh, submission of Brandon Roy Mal. That that was a really uh that was a really good uh prelim card that the UFC had there. And uh their prelims this weekend are no different. They're they're gonna start off strong. But before we talk about that, we're gonna talk about uh definitely the biggest fight of the weekend. It's not in MMA. It's in boxing. The problem child, Jake Paul, will be boxing. Tyron Woodley, the five-time UFC champion. We're going to give you guys a breakdown right now. Lenny, let's kick things off. What's your official pick for this fight and why? We were talking about this before we went on air. And if you look at it, it's crazy because, you know, Jake Paul is the betting favorite going into this fight, which is crazy. It's ridiculous because Tyron Woodley... Is you know a five-time world champion defended his belt you know, five times, uh, four times in one year. Uh, defeated the likes of Robbie Lawler, knocked out Robbie Lawler, and now he's fighting a YouTube star, Jake Paul, and he's the better favorite. It's ridiculous. But my official pick is Tyron Woodley. By I think what? Tyron me- Woodley gets it done. By what method? And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go TKO. I'm gonna go late. Oh wow! Yeah, I actually think that Tyron Woodley will overwhelm Jake Paul with his power, not because he's some YouTube kid. I'm going to strip all the YouTube, all the influencer stuff off of Jake Paul and simply look at him as a 3-0 professional boxer who has only fought horrendous competition. Uh, He fought some YouTube kid to start things off. Then he fought Nate Robinson, a 5'9 retired basketball player. Then he fought Ben Askren, a guy with no hands whatsoever, a, a guy who only succeeded in combat sports with wrestling, something he was unable to use in the fight. So uh, I don't know why a lot of people picked Ben Askren in that fight, but Jake Paul made it about as uncompetitive as it uh, should have been. And Tyron Woodley, the difference between Tyron Woodley and those other guys, Tyron Woodley knows how to punch. Isn't that crazy that Tyron Woodley is the first guy that Jake Paul's fought that can put your lights out in in an ugly manner like he's done to Josh Koscheck, Robbie Lawler, uh, many others. And I think, yeah, well, he didn't put away Darren Till with the punch choke, but nasty knockdown. And I don't think Jake Paul has the heart, honestly. Honestly, we've not seen this guy tested in any way, and Tyron really will test him either way. He's going to get clipped while he wants bombs, and I don't think he has the heart to – to get back up and uh, go uh, the rest of the fight. So Tyron Woodley by third round TKO is my pick here. Hopefully the ref knows what's good for Jake's longevity. Otherwise he'll uh, he'll let the fight keep on going because I, I really think that Tyron Woodley is simply the, the more experienced striker. Uh, the good thing about this fight for Tyron, has Tyron really kicked guys? Uh, Carlos Condit, of course, but it's really not his main weapon. He doesn't really use his elbows either. Neither his knees. He really liked to use his hands. Uh, but a lot of people are overestimating uh, Tyron Woodley here. They're, they're thinking Jake has got no chance. Believe you me, Jake Paul has a chance here. He's the more technical fighter. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it won't matter when you're getting clipped by, uh, Jake, uh, by Tyron Woodley's hands. Uh, Tyron Woodley. 
of course, he did have more power with that smaller glove. But something you have to keep in mind here, Jake uh, Jake Paul uh, chose a smaller time really for this fight. He's choosing guys that are smaller than him, but Tyron Woodley is not really cutting weight for this. He's going to be bigger. He's going to be more powerful. I think that could play a really big role here. I think that we're going to see Jake Paul get finished here, and I think he will become an internet meme. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and also, I just want to bring up, I'm, I'm not saying it will happen, or no, I'm saying that Woodley would, would do this, but it's not out of the realm of, pers- uh, of a possibility of, you know, Jake Paul giving Tyron Woodley a little bit more money just to kind of, you know, fix the fight a bit. This is boxing we're talking about. A lot of shady stuff has talking uh, happened in boxing before. Uh, a lot of controversies, a controversy is always happening in boxing every year uh, between the judges and, and, and stuff like that. So it, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Tyron Woodley's getting a little bit more money to take, uh, take a dive, but... I don't. I really don't think Tyron would do would, would do that. After what happened at the weigh-in uh, with uh, a Jake Paul member and uh, Mama Woodley, um, I, I just don't. I just don't see Woodley doing that. I, I don't think he'll get more money to you know to, to fix the fight. I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I think Woodley's you know going in for this, and he, I think he's going to go for the win. This is make or break for both fighters. Jake Paul loses this, uh, it, it could be the end of his boxing career. If Woodley loses this, he's an internet meme. It's the end of his career as well. And, uh, you know, that, that that's pretty much it. That's him. This is his last big payday. Yeah, this is a must-win for Tyrant. If he loses this, uh, the fact that he won five uh, UFC titles will mean nothing to people. He will just be looked down upon in the future. And uh, that would be really sad for a guy who accomplished that much in MMA to just be uh, disrespected uh, after this. So I, I really think uh, Tyrant's reputation is on the line here. He's lost his last four fights, but those guys were world-class fighters, much better uh, fighters than uh, Jake Paul. So this is a step down in competition for Woodley, but uh, in terms of pure boxing, Jake Paul will be more technical, probably will have a little more volume, but the power will change it all, and uh, Tyron Woodley gets that third-round TKO. Uh, that's about all I have to say about that. The, the rest of the card, it's re- really nothing to talk about except the Tommy Fury opener. Uh, Jake Paul says that Tommy Fury is probably going to be his next opponent were he to win, but uh, I don't think that'll be relevant uh, once he gets finished. And there is a rematch, fellas, so we could see a second fight here, which, uh, depending on the result of this fight, could be really bad for the loser. Yeah, and Jake Paul was the one who requested that rematch clause (laughs) in the contract, so that's also got to make you wonder... Does he feel like he could lose this fight? You know, he he's he, you know he's a cocky, brash kid uh, that thinks he can you know go on to take the the world by storm. As you mentioned earlier, when before we went live, he thinks he could beat Canelo, and he's putting a rematch clause in, in against Tyron Woodley. So how how do you what's where is his mentality and his mind really at? Does he feel like he can really win this fight? Hundred percent. But is there doubt in the back of his mind? Yes, I, I, I agree. I think there is. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but you want to talk about doubt? There's no doubt that the UFC main event will deliver this Saturday between Edson Barbosa and Giga Chikadze. This will be a pure kickboxing match. Both these guys always love to uh, to keep it standing, uh, and I don't think either guy will shoot for a takedown here. This will be an entertaining striking display from both men. And who do you think wins this one? Because... I think this will be competitive for 25 minutes. The fans, the fans win this one, and it, we're gonna get we're gonna get an absolute show-stopping performance from both men. Uh, this is Giga Shikadze, you know, first, you know, big test, big big test. Yes, he fought, you know, Cub Swanson, but Cub Swanson, you know, he's, he's young, he's he's, he's older. I mean, you know, going to the end of his career, Edson Barboza, this guy, you know, he, he, at featherweight, probably top four, top five. Uh, right now, you know, this is a big, big test for Giga Shikadze. And, uh, man, Edson Barboza, they both like to kick. Uh, Giga Shikadze, a former glory kickboxer. Edson Barboza, no for his, you know, the big kicks, the Muay Thai stance. Oh, my God, this is going to be such a fantastic fight. And uh, I, I really don't know what way to go on this one. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, Edson Barboza, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I, and I'm pretty confident we're going to see a chess piece for five rounds. 
and uh, we're going to see Edson Barboza get the better of it and uh, get the nod on the judges. Yeah, the reason I'm picking Edson here is his resume compared to Giga's is night and day. Uh, Edson Barbosa's last two opponents were Makwan Americani and uh, Shane Burgos. Giga Chikase's last two were uh, were Cub Swanson and uh, Omar Morales, or was it? No, Jamie Simmons. Jamie Simmons is barely a UFC level fighter. My goodness, the, the guy has gotten finished in his two outings. That was a short notice fight, and Giga put him away easily. Uh, I told you guys I would be walking the park with Giga. It was Giga's. A, He's a little untested. The first real taste of a higher level competition he got was uh, in the Almo Morales fight and the Cub Swanson fight. And uh, he looked really good in those. Uh, but at the end of the day, only Cub Swanson was ranked. Barbosa has been in the top 15 of the lightweight rankings for almost a decade. This, this guy has been fighting the killers on a consistent basis. If you if you look at the guys he's fought, it's it's crazy, man. He's fought the, the killer's row, and uh, I think he's more tested, and he's found new life at 145. Even the fight he lost at 145 to Dan Ige, that was a split decision, and he knocked down Dan Ige in the first round. So even when he's losing, he's hurting his opponents bad. So uh, I think Giga Chikate uh, is at a disadvantage almost everywhere. I think his kicks are less powerful. He, he's got less speed. And Edson is the better boxer, and if it uh, if to mix it up, Edson's got a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Giga Chikate, he's been submitted before on the Contender Series. So if Edson uh, finds himself in trouble on the feet, he can go to the ground if he's desperate enough. Yeah, if he do, if it does get to that, if he is desperate enough, as you mentioned, uh, he has that, you know, he has that in his locker to maybe fall back on. Uh, but I, I really don't see it going that way. I think this is going to be a, a, a fight that will stay on the feet for twenty five minutes, and uh, we're going to see a chess match. Uh, this, if 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 you don't like slow fights, I, I probably really, I, I really really want to tune into. I feel like this is going to be a chess match where they're kind of staring into a mirror a little bit, and. Uh, Maybe we'll see, you know, in that first round, maybe we'll see a few strikes land, not not nothing significant, uh, but I could eat my words. I feel like this is going to be a really, you know, a, a really good chess match. And uh, I feel like they're going to be staring in the minute, mirror a little bit. And uh, But as the fight gets on, I feel like they're going to open up a little bit more. But oh, the, either fight, I can't put a foot wrong because they know how good their opponent is and then they're, they're just going to come straight back at them. Yeah, uh, Edson Barbosa has not only beaten the better guys, but uh, Edson Barbosa was, was not a guy fighting uh, fighting a ton in the pandemic era like Giga. G Giga, most of his career was in the pandemic era where he was getting these short-notice opponents that he could just pick apart, which that might have not been good for his development. Let's be honest, that he skipped over some of the toughest matchups in the 145-pound division. He's getting a top-10 opponent without even... Tasting the takedowns of uh, Zubair Tahugov, a Mosar Avaluev. Uh, there's there's so many guys that would give him ridiculous uh, problems on the ground, and he just jumped over all of them. And I think that that might be uh, detrimental to his development in the end, uh, to be honest, because he's going to get yeah. uh, a little overconfident. And when these guys get a hold of him, he's not going to know what to do. Uh, but uh, Barbosa probably won't do that here. And uh, Barbosa, I would say he's got the better cardio as well. Would you not say that? Um, Giga Chikatse has uh, notoriously had bad weight cuts. Um, and he said uh, that his third rounds uh, are going to be where he's least powerful. So that could be a definite role here. And I don't see Giga getting a Giga kick going against Edson. Edson is the kind of guy that does that to him. So Edson is miles ahead of the strikers that uh, Giga Chikatse has fought. And one thing I can't get out of my mind Giga fought a split decision to Owen Rivera, who who I don't think is a UFC level fight. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Uh, that, that's pretty much uh, for, for, for the main event. Uh, we have Edson Barboza uh, versus Giga Chikate, and we're both in agreement that Edson Barboza takes it. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, One thing coming up is the ultimate fighter for now is 
uh, we, we got ahead of ourselves, and we uh, we previewed these last week. We just got a little too excited, but we'll give you guys a, an, another quick little recap. Not as extensive as last week, but uh, I'll I'll start right now. This is the co-main main event between Brian Battle and Gilbert Urbina. Gilbert Urbina got lucky here. He got knocked out brutally by Treshawn Gore on the show, and uh, Gore has to pull out due to a meniscus tear, and Urbina steps in. And he's undeserving of this, uh, definitely. And Brian Battle will probably give him some problems on the feet. But Urbina, he's got to have the better ground game here. Uh, the Urbinas are known for their ground game. And uh, Urbina fights smart here. He can give Brian Battle some problems. But Brian Battle's no chump on the ground. He submitted the a favorite to win, uh, Andre Petrovsky. He finished that guy who's also on this card as well. Uh, Brian Battle's. I think he'll out-volume Urbina here to a unanimous division win. How about you? Yeah, yeah 100%. I agree with you. Uh, I think this uh, Brian Battle keeps this one standing on the feet. Uh, maybe a, a few takedown scares. Uh, gets controlled a little bit, uh, but gets back up. Uh, but I, I feel like Brian Battle is, is the superior fighter uh, in this in this matchup. And uh, I think he's going to not, not cruise his way to a victory, but I feel like he's going to be fairly comfortable uh, in this fight and uh, become the ultimate fighter. Uh, but the, the one I'm really looking forward to, Ricky Tio, uh, I don't know how to say his nickname, but Ricky versus um, Hyde Stand. This fight is going to be really entertaining. Yeah, I think I think this is the real contender for the fight of the night. Uh, Tercios has has an exciting style. He has unorthodox unorthodox methods. He sets everything up with his jab, which is very smart in the MMA game. More people should do that. And the uh, Volkanovski coaches uh, were really good at uh, implementing that with their fighters. And Brady Heastan, on the other hand, he's the youngest fighter on this card. He's only 23, and he trains in Spokane, Washington, with Michael Chiesa, uh, Josh Reddinghouse, who he beat on the show, and uh, Juliana Pena. Which, that's a very underrated camp. They, they got two former Ultimate Fighter winners in that camp. Uh, but unfortunately, Brady Heastan, the best win he had was one of his teammates, Josh Reddinghouse. And besides that, he only fought one guy with a win and beat him. That's it. Brady Heastan has fought. Uh, he, he's been a real can crusher. And once he fought a guy with the multiple wins, he lost. He got finished. And I think Tercios could definitely clip up Heastan and knock him out. Uh, but Heastan has, has shown some real toughness. I thought Josh Reddinghouse was going to win the, the whole season once I looked at how experienced he was. The fact that he had beaten uh, Sergi, uh, Sergi, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good win. And Josh Reddinghouse realistically would have won that fight, but Heastan has that tough grinding style that gives a lot of guys problems. Would it give problems to Tercios? I don't think so because Tercios, he pieced up uh, Ludovic Shivalonian, who's uh, who got a fight coming up as well. That guy was a tough Armenian wrestler, and he stuffed his takedowns and pieced them up on the feet. I'm thinking the same thing happens here, so the win goes to Tercios by Ram's decision. Yeah, you just mentioned there, Ludovic just got a fight announced against Jack Shaw. And to be honest, Jack Shaw's got, even though it's a short notice fight, Jack Shaw's got a real tough test on his hand. Ludovic is an incredible wrestler, uh, as we saw on the show. But uh, now we've seen him you know, on the show. Uh, Jack Shaw can look at the tape a little bit, uh, see what happened. But Ludovic, man, I, I, like, I, like, I like that guy. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to see him back. But as you mentioned, Ricky, I think Ricky takes this one. Uh, I, I predicted both of them go to the judges' scorecards, uh, but one that could not go to the judges' scorecards, I, I believe, is Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah, this is a really interesting fight. This is only Kevin Lee's second welterweight fight. His first welterweight fight was uh, definitely a failure when he fought Rafael Del Santos. He got arm triangle in the fourth round. This is this has kind of been the story of Kevin Lee's career, right? He gets a couple wins, but then he fights a talented grappler with good cardio. And that's typically typically the guy that beats Kevin Lee, a grappler with good cardio. Rodriguez, he's got good cardio, but is he a talented grappler? Not really. Uh, the the only reason submission win he has is Tim Means by staying guillotine. That's really not on the ground, and the guillotine is uh, kind of the puncher's chance of submissions. Um, Kevin Lee is simply the better grappler here. He's the better wrestler. Uh, Rodriguez, he's taking this fight on short notice. But that doesn't mean he hasn't worked on takedown defense and submission defense. He was training to fight Abubakar Nurmagomedov for, for a good while there. And uh, in his last fight, he fought uh, Pierce. 
uh, Preston Parsons, I believe his name was, who was also a grappler. He got an easy first-round knockout here. Could he knock out Kevin Lee? 100%. But Kevin Lee is definitely the, the most talented grappler Rodriguez has fought in his entire career. So I'm thinking Kevin Lee takes him down, and before he gets tired, he wraps up uh, Rodriguez for a second-round rear naked choke. Wow, uh, I, I agree with you in this one. D Rod, it, it only takes one shot for D Rod. Uh, his shots come at, a, at you know an unusual angle. They, they always seem to come from his hip. He, he proper loads them up. He, he comes from a hip. He, he swings them uh, a little bit wild. Uh, but if he go, if he does go one two down the pipe, uh, I feel like it could really work well in this fight. Maybe an uppercut. I feel like the uppercuts, you know, just to show that out there. If Kevin Lee, you know, sees an uppercut. Uh, with the power of D-Rod, Kevin Lee might, you know, maybe scared to shoot a little bit. Uh, maybe some, you know, defense mechanisms like that could uh, help D-Rod in this fight. Maybe even, you know, tauten the knee out a little bit there. He doesn't have to throw it, but, you know, just put it out there. Uh, as we know, Lee's going to want to shoot in this fight. He isn't going to want to stand with D-Rod. Uh, the sooner Kevin Lee gets his fight to the ground, the better for him. And uh, as soon as he does get his fight to the ground, I feel like it's going to be a submission, a quick submission win for him. Uh, I'm predicting also a round, a round one submission instead of round two. Yeah, Kevin Lee, if he sees the third round in this fight, we could definitely see Rodriguez get a finish there. But uh, ultimately, yeah. uh, ultimately, we will go with Kevin Lee because he's easily the, the most talented grappler Rodriguez has fought. So uh, this is going to be a really interesting fight. That would be the co-main event if it weren't for the tough uh, finales. Move yeah. on to two guys that competed in the Ultimate Fighter. Andre Petrovsky fighting Michael Gilmore. These guys took it on 10 days' notice. Uh, they both made weight, we just saw. But uh, Andre Petrovsky is miles ahead on this track. My goodness, this is not going to be competitive once Gilmore gets on his back. Petrovsky is a Division One uh, wrestler. He's also uh, training with the Gracies out of a great gym. And uh, I'll tell you guys right now, Petrovsky, along with... Uh, Leo Mano Martinez in the opener. Those are my most confident picks on the card. I really think those guys get easy finishes. They're going to look like minus 400 favorites when they once they get in there. Uh, Gilmore has been uh, finished by submission in all four of his uh, professional losses. Uh, and Petrovsky will do that to him in the second round. I think Petrovsky makes it look easy out there. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you on this one. I think he gets this one uh, to, to, the, to the mat very quickly in the first round. Within, you know, it would have surprised me in the, in the first 30 seconds, Petrowski is shot and uh, Michael Gilmore is on his back. And I think he's he's going to, I think he's, what, he's going to have like four minutes or 30 seconds to work. And I feel like he's just going to stay patient, look for that arm triangle. And I think he's going to get the arm triangle submission in the first round. Yeah, uh, I only said second because Petrovsky said second round in an interview. That's really the only reason I said that. That's why I said it. Uh, otherwise, Gilmore probably won't survive uh, too long. Yeah. I, I don't think much of Michael Gilmore. He's only here because uh, he, he he had the balls to take the fight on, on the ultimate fighter on show. Notice it's Gilbert Vino. He got submitted in about a minute. So his submission defense is definitely lacking. Uh, somebody whose submission defense will have to be on point if he's going to win. Makman Muradov, the Money Mayweather uh, team's uh, prospect against Gerald Mearshart. Mearshart, unfortunately, his claim to fame uh, with casual MMA fans is a 17-second KO loss to the great Hamza Shemaev. Uh, I, I don't think that this will be that different. I think Muradov has got really good takedown defense. In fact, he's never been taken down the UFC, 100% takedown defense. And he's been tested against wrestlers, better wrestlers than Mearshart. Andrew Sanchez was not able to take down Makhma Muradov. And Sanchez is a better wrestler than Mearshart, in my opinion. So uh, this is going to be a rough night for Mearshart. Muradov is the biggest favorite on the card. He's a 5-1 to one favorite. And for good reason, he's... 100% the better striker here. He's got more pop on his punches. And uh, Mearshart was notoriously a tough guy with a tough chin, but it cracked last year. Ian Heinish finished him in a minute, and then uh, Hamza Chamaya finished him in under 20 seconds. I think Mearshart's chin is gone. Uh, when he fought Fabinski, Fabinski only wanted to wrestle him and not to knock him out. And Muradov wants to knock him out. So Muradov Second or third round here. Uh, Muradov's not really a quick starter. That's why I'm saying that. 
So Muradov will uh, eventually crack that chin. He could also get a flying knee here when Mirshad tries to shoot. I think this is going to be uh, another addition to Muradov's really good highlight reel. And after this, it's time for top 15, guys. 100% I agree with you. After this fight, Muradov needs a top 15. Uh, and I feel like he's going to win this one in spectacular fashion. In the first round, I feel like he's going to land a few combinations, uh, test the chin of uh, Jared uh, Mershaw. Uh, maybe not crack it, but I feel like he's going to land a few and where Jared's going to think, oh, I need to get this fight to the ground. Uh, second fight, uh, second round, he'll come out urgent and uh, Muradov's going to crack him and he's going to put him out. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, Murdov is favorite, the favorite for a reason. Another guy uh, who's uh, who's a big favorite on this card is Alessio DiCirico. He's fighting uh, the the ultimate round one fighter of Delrazaka Hassan. The guy uh, ever since he he came back from uh, some allegations, he just has not gotten the ball rolling. He fought uh, he fought uh, uh, Manuel Lazez, and he gassed out after the first round. After that, he fought uh, Chaos Williams. He got starched. After that, he fought, uh, who was it, uh, Jacob Malcoon. He got dominated. This has been a rough, uh, rough uh, couple fights for Abdul. And uh, just before the last fight, uh, DeShirko was in the same spot. He was in a tough spot. He was losing uh, his last three. But then he knocks out the knockout guy, uh, Joaquin Buckley, in spectacular fashion with a head kick. In the first round, and now a lot of people are seeming to forget that this guy, uh, he was kind of on a skid. Uh, but he's a really big favorite here, and honestly, I'm not going to trust Alicio DeShirko to absorb the damage from Adel Rezaka Hassan. I got to take Al Hassan as an underdog here. I think Al Hassan will sleep DeShirko. DeShirko's never been slept, but he did get dropped with a head kick by uh, Zach Cummings in that third round. That probably would have been a finish for Zach Cummings had the bell not saved that Deshiriko. So I, I, I will go with Zach, uh, Zach Al-Hassan. This is always uh, what happens. Guys lose a couple, and then we all of a sudden throw them away, but we seem to forget that uh, that their skills uh, will bring them a long way against a lot of guys. And uh, I don't know if Deshiriko can absorb the damage, to be honest. Yeah, see, I'm on the opposite. I'm on the opposite side. I, I'm going with Dechirico and Chirico in this fight, just because every time I bet on or every time I choose Razak Al Hassan, recently he's let me down. When he knocked out Nico Price, I was thinking, "Wow, this guy has some power." You know, he he, he could really do some, you know, damage to the division. And then he ran into Chaos Williams, uh, Jacob Mal, you know, Mel Mal Malcoon. Oh man, I just I I just don't trust him anymore. So. I'm going to go with Dechirico in this fight. He, he's long. He's rangy. Uh, we saw that kick, that beautiful kick uh, that, you know, that's, you know, stopped uh, Joaquin Buckley. Uh, and I feel like he's just going to stick to stick to range in this fight and uh, use them kicks uh, in his in, in his um, in his arsenal. Uh, stub him straight into the bo body in his middle. Use that teep to the body. Uh, keep him at range. And uh, Cruz, Cruz, I don't, I don't think uh, Hassan will get finished in this fight. Uh, I see this one go to the scorecards, in my opinion, but that it, it will be a but a bigger but. But Al Hassan can land it at, at any moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Al Hassan is a middleweight in Ghana. Um, Deshiriko, uh, he's really not a, much of a talented grappler. He, uh, I might be uh, get some crap for saying this, but Al Hassan, he might be the gra better grappler. He's a judo black belt. He never shows it off. Um, I, I think uh, Hassan, uh, he's not going to get taken down much in this fight. So uh, Deshirko will be constantly in danger. I think he gets clipped and put out. Uh, somebody who also think gets clipped and put out, I think uh, Terman might be coming to the end of his UFC run here. Uh, he's fighting Sam Alvey. It feels like it was just two months ago uh, when uh, Terman got knocked out by uh, Bruno Silva with concussive uh, ground and pound. And before that, he got slept by Andrew Sanchez. I think Terman doesn't have much of a chin. And Alvi, he does, to be honest. Alvi, he's, he's not a high-level fighter, let's face it. But he will give uh, these inexperienced fighters legit problems with his uh, veteran savvy. That's what he did to Don Jung. That was a draw. Uh, he clearly won the first two rounds. But in that third round, his, his chin uh, kind of let him down there. He got knocked down. And it was scored a 10-8 round. I think uh, Terman does not have the durability to survive one of those counter uh, left hooks from Alvi. I think Alvi can get the win here as an underdog. 
Yeah, that's the only way I see it going, uh, to be honest with you. As you mentioned, uh, Terman being knocked out in his recent fights doesn't look good. Uh, Sam Alvey, you know, isn't the best, as you mentioned, isn't the best of fighters. But, you know, th there's one thing that we know about Sam Alvey. He, he could take a shot for, for how old he is. He could take a shot and he keeps on moving and uh, he, he'll keep coming at you. And I feel like uh, uh, the, maybe the, the pace and the pressure of uh, Sam Alvey will kind of wear down on the tournament. And I feel like in, the, in that second or third round, uh, we'll, we'll see a finish. Yeah, uh, Terman, Terman is just, uh, he's not that durable. And I don't think he's being smart by making a comeback this quick. Doesn't it feel like the Bruno Silva fight was like last month or something like that? I, I don't yeah, think that's smart coming back that quick after a KO loss. And now they will uh, expose the chin once again. Uh, let's move on to uh, Dustin Jacoby against Darren Stewart. I'll, I'll start this off by saying Darren Stewart is in the wrong weight class. When I look at Darren Stewart, I think big, big uh, welterweight, to be honest. At middleweight, uh, I, think, uh, I think he was a little undersized there. He's only six feet tall. Now he moved up to light heavyweight, and I don't think he belongs here. He's only doing it because he's get uh, a terrible weight cut in the first Eric Anders fight, and uh, he thinks he needs to give his body a break. But he's not going to be cracking the top 15 in this weight class. There's no way. His reach is not long enough. He's too short. He's not powerful enough. His cardio is not good at all, especially at this weight class. I think that Jacoby will heat him up here. Uh, sure, then through Kalina Bomba. We've seen Jacoby. He's kind of a slow starter in the first round. Uh, he might get clipped, but he'll come at you like a bat from hell in the next two rounds. He even took down Ewan Kutilov in that third round. I think uh, Jacoby uh, might get a finish here, but uh, either way, I think he completely pieces up Darren Stewart here, and he makes Darren Stewart uh, look terrible. And it could convince Darren to go back the middleweight. I think this is going to be a terrible fight for Darren. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough for me to say this, but yeah, I do agree with you. Uh, glory, uh, no, no, glory. Uh, what I was going to say is Dustin Jacoby, former glory kickboxer, fantastic kickboxer. Uh, and oh man, Darren Schroeder's got a big, big, tough ask in front of him. Six foot three. Uh, Dustin Jacoby, you know, a, a, a legitimate uh, 205 pounder as well. He, he fits the weight class. He's perfect for that weight class. Darren Stewart, six foot, very undersized in this fight. I think the teeps, uh, the kicks, uh, you know, the calf kicks, the leg kicks, we're going to see a lot of them in this fight. I feel like Dustin Jacoby is going to come out absolutely guns blazing with these kicks. Uh, I feel like maybe even a calf, a, calf uh, a leg kick stoppage in this fight. I think the calves are going to get really eaten up in this fight for uh, where Dustin Jacoby is going to aim for the uh, Darren Stewart's uh, calves. And uh, it really wouldn't surprise me if we see a, a leg kick stoppage. Uh, you know, Darren Stewart saying no mass, no more. Can't take no more. Yeah, I think Jac Jacoby's deserving of, of a minus 250, honestly, in this spot. I think he's only like 185. I think he should be a bigger favorite. And in terms of striking, uh, Jacoby's just miles ahead and also in size. I think... Even if Darius Stewart tries to drag it to the ground, he's going to be out-muscled by Jacoby here. So there's there's every reason to pick Jacoby here. But I'm praying, I'm praying uh, that my you know my home my, well, not my, my home country man Darius Stewart gets it done. I'd love to see him get it done. Uh, it'd be fantastic. And I, while we're on the topic of my home country, shout out to Brendan Lochnane fighting tonight in the semi-finals of the PFL. Uh, I wish the best luck to him. I hope he brings it back. Uh, I hope he you know, advances to the final, you know, gets that one step closer to the $1 million. Best of luck, Brendan. I hope you bring it back. Yeah, that, that's a tough matchup from those Dagestani wrestlers uh, bring hell to any, uh, to any fight. And uh, we'll move on to J.J. Aldrich finding a debut in UFC fighter in Vanessa Demopoulos, uh, former uh, Invicta champion, I believe. She's fought UFC-level competition uh, continuously in Invicta. Uh, she submitted Sam Hughes with an inverted triangle back in Invicta. She fought Lupita Godinez in a five-round war. Um, and uh, after that, uh, she went to the Contender Series, and she lost to Court uh, McKenna. Yeah, Courtney McKenna, I believe her name is. And th the problem with her in that fight, she's got really good uh, volume on the feet. She does not have good striking defense, but I think the biggest hole in the game is a ground game. She can get taken down and held down, um, and I think J.J. Aldridge will uh, implement the same game plan that McKenna did. J 
just a year ago. Um, Demopolis is also moving up a weight class here. She was man. Uh, she was woman handled, uh, if you want to say, by a one, one uh, by a strawweight Corey McKenna, and JJ Aldrich is a flyweight, so she's going to be bigger. And uh, Demopolis will not be able to get up when she gets taken down. That's going to be the story of this fight. That's why JJ Aldrich is such a big favorite. Demopolis will be smaller and uh, does not have a good ground game. So yeah, it's going to be uh, JJ Aldrich dominating this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. You pretty much covered uh, what, what I really wanted to say. Uh, so we'll move on to the next one. Jamal Emma's taking on uh, Pat T- Sab- Sabatini in this one. Yeah. Uh, a, f- a fantastic fight to, to you know, start off the card. Uh, but you know, I'm a little bit, you know, I, I thought Pat Sabatini might be the favorite in this one, but he actually is. Wait. No, he's not. He's not the favorite. According to ESPN, he's not the, he's not the favorite. So I, I, I thought he would be. That's the way I see it going. I think Pat Sabatini gets this one done, but what, what's your thoughts? This is a hard fight to pick. Both guys are, are such talented grapplers. I think whoever uh, whoever can dominate on the ground wins wins the fight. I think they won't spend a lot of time gaining. Jamal Emers has the advantage on the feet. I think he's got more pop on his punch as well. But if, they, if they cancel each other out on the ground and Emers strikes with him, Emers has a reach and height advantage here. I think Emers wins the fight on the feet. If it's on there, but on the ground, I think Emers uh, might be good enough to hang with uh, Sabatini here, and he'll make this fight close. And uh, on the feet, he'll do more damage. That's why I'm picking uh, Emers to get a, a close uh, split decision win here. Ladies and gentlemen, the first fight of the evening. If you haven't watched it, go watch Dana White look for a fight. Uh, the return to Houston. The, the man they picked up on that show, Martinez. Is fighting on the first fight of the evening, and uh, the, the UFC done him favors in this matchup. He's fighting a, a very uh, what's it, uh, Siniati. You know, he's eight and six. Uh, this is a favorable matchup for Martinez, and uh, he's got some power, as we saw in that show. Dana White looking for a fight. He put was it? I forgot his name. I think it was like Jose Johnson, maybe or something like that. He put he put him out. Yeah, he put him out, and it was bad. So he's got some really, you know, good knockout power, uh, and uh, against um, someone who's, I don't know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to offend him, but I, I really don't think uh, Kanati is a UFC caliber fighter, and uh, we're going to see this in this fight. I think Martinez gets this one done. Kanati might have been a UFC level fighter in his thirties. Not when he's 42 and he's lost five of his last six, I believe. And uh, a couple of them have been not by knockout. He's older. He's slower. His chin is gone. And he's fighting a guy in Leo Montinez who has slept many, many fighters in under a minute. He's put them to sleep in under a minute. Several fighters. I think probably nine times out of ten, he sleeps Draco Rodriguez on the contender series. That was an unfortunate uh, situation for Leo Mana there. He got caught in a triangle, and that's not a proper representation of who he is. Um, after that, he had to get two KOs on the regional scenes, one from Dana White. Uh, he he beat a guy who lost on the contenders as well, so it wasn't some can. So Leo, uh, Leo Mana Martinez here, he's got all the power to put away a 42-year-old slower Kennedy uh, here. Leo Mana Martinez is my most confident pick in the night. I think, I think this was this is this is a, uh, like a setup fight, man. This is almost a welcome to the UFC fight. Here's a bonus. This is going to be a really great KO on the Mana Martinez side. I think Martinez uh, will will look awesome here, and his stock will significantly rise after uh, he gets a really good knockout in the first round. Yeah, I'm really surprised Kanati is. You know, no disrespect, but still inside the UFC. Eight and six, not the most pleasing record. And uh, it, it, you know, if you look at his last five, he's only he's only won two. So he's three, he's three, and two, he's two and three in his last five. Uh, he's fought some good, you know, he's fought Marlon, Marlon Vera back in 2018, but I don't think he should be inside the UFC. And uh, th- th- there is one problem with Martinez though; he did miss weight this morning. That actually might be a good thing. Maybe they recognized. Uh, maybe if he cut a little more. It's uh, it's uh, it's not going to be good. That's that's really unprofessional. The UFC gave him a second shot 
Um, and now he's he's almost spitting in their face by missing weight like that. It's not a good luck at all. He's not going to get a bonus, which uh, which I believe he'll deserve after he gets a he gets a stunning knockout of Kennedy. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Uh, just a shame that he he didn't hit that 135 pound mark, but nonetheless. He's going to look like a, an absolute showstopper on the weekend. Uh, I'm really excited for the fights this weekend. Today, we've got uh, Brendan Lochnane, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in the PFL main event. And uh, tomorrow, uh, a former a tough uh, contestant, Joe Giannotti, uh, looks to take on uh, the Cage, Cage Titans lightweight championship. Uh, so best of luck to Joe Giannotti and Brendan Lochnane. Uh, I hope they bring back uh, the, the wins. And uh, then this weekend, we've got Jay Paul versus Tyron Woodley. And then we've got the UFC. We have Giga Chikadze versus Edson Barboza. We're in for a treat this weekend. I'm so excited. Uh, which fight are you most excited for? Man, that's a really a tough one. I'm going to go with Ricky Tercios against Brady Eastand. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are just overlooking the tough fights. Because uh, let's be honest, a lot of people didn't watch the season. Because uh, Olkanowski and Ortega didn't have beef. Also, uh, some people, reality TV is not for them. This was not a typical Ultimate Fighter season. They really just cared about who was the best fighter. And that's what we saw there. And Ricky Tercios and Brady Heesan are the best two fighters. They're going to go at it, and they have very exciting styles. So I think that fight is the fight to watch. To quote the uh, great this- you don't know, now you know. <laughs> uh, so just quickly before we end the episode, it's been a fantastic episode to talk about some fights. Who would be your next two coaches? My next two coaches for the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, let's say they do it in 2022. Uh, man, this is a tough one. Oh, you really put me on the spot here. Uh, yeah, Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington. That's the one everyone wants to see. Uh, assuming uh, Covington loses to Usman and Jorge wins his next fight, let's put those two guys together and let, let's book it. Why wait? Why wait? Uh, the opportunity is there now. They have to do it as soon as possible. Yeah, that, that would that would be fantastic. Uh uh, to, to watch, um, maybe even you know, Adesanya versus Whitaker. Whitaker's been there before, uh, that that that, that could be a shout, oh. but they that probably won't happen because they'll fight early stages of 2022. Yeah, the, the reason I, I, I'm not I'm not as bullish on just putting coaches uh, together on the show all the time is they have to wait a long time to fight. Uh, Volkanovsky and Ortega they were gonna fight on the Ngannou Steve card back in March. Uh, like I believe it was a month after Volkanovski is 100% healthy. He's good to go. He's good to fight. But they're filming the Ultimate Fight, so they can't fight. And they have to wait, uh, uh, I believe, how many months? Five months. They're fighting next month now. That's It really delays fight. It's it's really unfortunate, but uh, it appears that Covington and Masvidal do not care to wait. So that's why I chose those two. Yeah, 100%. That would be a fantastic season, by the way. They're, they're, they're staying... Uh, the storyline they have, it would, it would be, it would, it just, it's, it's tailor made for them uh, to set up a great season. Yeah, one hundred percent. But hey, who knows? Maybe those two guys cannot coexist at all. Masvidal has says, "I don't care if it's in the octagon or on the street. I will fight Coley Covington one day." So may, maybe the heat might be too much for the show. Well, that there it is Oscar saying he's doing too much for the show. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me, Oscar, uh, today. Talk about some fights. Yeah, a fantastic episode. Uh, we're in for a treat this weekend. Any last words that you have? Yeah, just make sure to enjoy the fights. There's a lot of them uh, this uh, weekend, uh, both in boxing and MMA. So uh, make sure to check them out. And we'll have a really good weekend. So enjoy the fights, fellas. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for talking to me today, Oscar. And uh, enjoy them fights. We've got a stacked weekend. Uh, We'll talk about it all next week. Thank you.